inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. Yes, it is time right now for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today is brought to you by the Willie Store, family-owned since 1900 in Greensboro. By Polly Construction, Gregory Drive, South Burlington, where one call does it all. By Montpelier Agway, your locally-owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By Menards, family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. And by Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse, and Perennial Farm in Colchester, featuring top-quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Go to sticksandstuff.com for store locations and hours. By PNR Lumber, Route 15 in Wolcott. Family milled lumber for all projects. Check out PNR Lumber on Facebook. By Guy's Farm and Yard. If it eats and grows, guys can feed it. Guy'sFarmandYard.com. And by Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel. They're online at DandelionAcres.com. And Dandelion Acres is sponsoring the In the Garden podcast. Your telephone calls are most welcome at 802-244-1777 with your gardening questions and comments. And right now, here is the illustrious host of In the Garden, Mr. Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. Hello. Uh, How are you today? Okie doke. Good. Now, uh... I seem to recall somewhere in the weather report that it said it was going to be a sunny day today. Partly. Now they're saying partly sunny, yeah. and that partly could be 1%. Yeah, I was going to say it, it, it's very partly. Yes. <laughs> you know, Corm was complaining because he wore shorts to play golf, and he wasn't sure if that was the right attire. <laughs> well, I, don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if it's ever the right attire. I mean, I've, I've seen better legs on a piano. Oh, but never, never, never mind. <laughs> I hope he's not listening. <laughs> well, I'm sure he's a good fellow. He'd be laughing right along with us. Um, yeah, last week we talked about uh, planting, you know, what things you can plant now. The early season plantings, uh, things that are not only tolerant of cold, but actually they enjoy the cold. Um, this week, oh, I've got a long list of stuff to talk about, but... I want to hit a couple of things. Uh, one was going back to um, uh, something, and I think it was Norman Bristol who mentioned about his strawberries. And I did a little more research into it, and I mistook what he was talking about as I went back and thought about it. He was talking about little bugs in the fruit itself, and and I mentioned uh for the bugs that, that go down, it's a, it's a, <clears throat> goes down and, and chews on the, uh, the roots of a strawberry. Um, if what he has, um, is what I think it is, it's actually the same problem that we have with blueberries. It's the, uh, spotted dysophilia, yeah. dysophilia. 
I tell you that uh, that was a problem a bunch of years back in blueberries. I went to mm-hmm. the Charlotte blueberry farm and mm-hmm. they were infested. That was a yeah. bad year for them. But I picked uh, two whole crates of them myself and yeah. cooked them up, and so yeah. I had a little extra protein. There with you it. go. But yeah. Well, they <laughs> I still I survived, so I don't know. But yeah, you don't want bugs it, in your fruit. It it, it is uh, it is the same as the blueberry, yeah. which I didn't realize that it affected strawberries as well. Of either. course, it makes sense. Now, the this particular fruit fly, more or less, we see fruit flies usually on very ripe fruit and even overripe fruit. You know, when you put your bananas out and they're still green and just yellow, you don't see any fruit flies. But then when they actually get the the brown spots on them and start to really get uh, ripe, that's when you'll see them. And so this particular fruit, fruit fly that is giving us a problem, the spotted wing one, uh, it actually plants its uh, eggs in fruit, you know, fresh fruit. And um, so the... The, I had recommended using a neem oil, but w- what you really need for this is um, would be the the spinosad, the Captain, Captain Jack's dead bug, and the timing of it is is important. And what your commercial and and if you want to try it, it's really not that hard. You can put out a um, Oh, uh, it's a, like a yellow card with a Vaseline on it, some sticky goo. And if you watch, you'll see when the male, this for this, this, oh, never mind, the male fruit fly comes out. Um, uh, and then it'll be shortly after that that the female will, will show up. And she's the one with the spotted wings. Now, you, you know, fruit flies are not very big, so be able to, to really, uh, find them, you know, it's, it's, uh, you, you gotta look pretty close. I don't know if you'd call them fruit flies. They certainly look exactly like fruit flies, the mm-hmm. ones that are flying around my uh-huh. kitchen yep. right now. And, uh, they, the population used to be controlled up until very recently by mm-hmm. my, my pet finch, who if they fly <laughs> through the cage, he'd get it, but, uh, he he just passed away at age fourteen. Oh, I'm sorry little, to hear that, but uh, that's bird. an interesting. That's an but interesting I, idea. I don't. I usually don't have fresh fruit to mm-hmm. lying around, mm-hmm. but I I know where some of them originated, mm-hmm. and this is amazing. I had a big jar mm-hmm. of bagel everything spices, the oh, same yeah. spice that you would pour, yeah. and I left the thing open, uh-huh. and all kinds of nests started forming in there, oh. and I, so I just kept watching it to see what happened, and of course, I watched it long enough to see a whole bunch of these flies come out, I'll be darned. and by the time I sealed it up and uh, you know, and stopped the process from happening, they were all over the house. Were you, uh, so is your theory that they were, the the eggs were in that yeah, jar? Must, well, well, maybe they were added to the jar. I don't mm-hmm. have no idea how they got there. Maybe they came. In, yeah. They came from the company in there. It was kind of an off-brand, but mm-hmm. I saw it mm-hmm. at uh, the the dollar store. <laughs> and it was like a, a sixteen ounce, and so I, I I pour it on everything on salad and yeah, you know, yeah. the same you know salt yep. and onion and garlic yep. and whatever else you see on it. Everything bagel. I have a, a jar of it too. Yeah, and it, it's great for you that. know where they get that everything spice at the bagel place. Where at the end of the day, 
They, uh-huh. have, they have one of those little magic, you know, uh, carpet sweepers. They let it a run Roomba? around the store. And whatever it picks up got to, goes on the everything bank. No, I'm, I'm just joking to our good friends here in Waterbury. But that's what it looks like, you know. Gee, I just had a everything bagel. I wonder. <laughs> so anyway, the, the spotted wing, uh, uh, let me just try it. Okay, I'll, I'll. Drosophilia, and that's the D R O S O P H I L I A. Drosophilia, and I and I even went on Google and, and tried to get it to pronounce it, and they gave me three different pronunciations. So, any way you pronounce it is okay. Fly is what I say. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I've yeah. reduced it to that, that spotted fly. wing fruit fly yeah. <laughs> that lays its eggs on your fruits mm-hmm. and not necessarily ripe. And that's that's the key difference between this fruit fly that's giving us problems and the fruit flies that you see in the house is that the fruit flies you see in the house need to have ripe fruit and overripe mm-hmm. fruit, whereas the other ones plant their um, their eggs in in just uh, you know regular old fruit. Come to think fruit. of it, I did have some bananas out there. I never uh, think of them as fruit, but they yeah. certainly are. Well, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yeah. very common. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, in this case, you know, you your timing. Usually, this this guy shows up after the uh, after the fruit sets. When it's still uh, green, it'll show up as it starts to turn turn blue. So obviously it's not going to uh, land on the the green fruits. So you don't need to spray then. But as soon as you see your your fruit starting to uh, starting to to ripen, that's when you want to start uh, uh, spraying them with the with the Captain Jack or any any form of uh, of that um, spinosad. <laughs> My grandparents, God bless them, mm-hmm. may they rest in peace. They would get out the DDT. Oh, yeah. Oh, this good was, Lord. This was back in the 50s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would kill most anything on the planet, anything, and, it, yeah. and it did for right. a while. Yeah. Right, right. If you survive the cure, you'll yeah. be fine, right? right. Um, so anyway, this uh, that you can, an alternative to this is to put a, you know, a, the cloth, the spun or or whatever, you know, there's all different kinds of brands of it, but it's a, it's a spun fiberglass cloth over the, the top of them. You know, it's a little tough to really make it airtight in a sense. Uh, usually they just fly down and land on. They're not really so much, but there are, uh, some of them actually, uh, uh landed, uh, over winter in the mulch down below. So, you know, the, the spray is probably your, your, the best way to deal with it. Um, the other thing you can do is, of course, rake up all the mulch that you have down, put down a landscape cloth, put down new mulch. And I usually use cedar mulch under my blueberries, uh, only because it has sort of a natural repellent in it. But, um, it, none of those things are going to work, uh, 100%. You'll need to do something with the, uh, with the spinosad. Okay. So there we go. If you have that problem with strawberries or your blueberries, uh, you'll need to do something. Okay. Um, okay. <clears throat> we went back, and now let's go forward. Do you have a call? 
Whoops. Okay. Boy, I tell you, things are acting strange here in the buttons. I mean, usually I'm all thumbs anyway, but uh, everything is flashing. But most prominently, most yeah. prominently, we've got Norm in Bristol here oh, on the okay. line. Okay, hey, good. 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 Hey, Norm, was, was I right? Uh, was it you who brought up the strawberries? You there? The, the one that I suspect is doing the damage over yep. the years mm-hmm. is called the strawberry um, weevil oh. or blossom clipper. Oh. Uh-huh. And it hibernates in rubbish or hedgerows. This is what my book is telling me. Yeah. It lays an egg in an unopened bud and causes it to fall by cutting the pedicel. Oh. So what did you call it again? A blossom what? It's called a strawberry weevil or blossom clipper. Clipper. Well, there you go. Yeah. It, That's the problem. See, the bud isn't open yet, and then you go over there, and, of course, they always go for the first bud, which is always the biggest mm, one. Mm, They'll mm. have the biggest berry on it. So that so that's the one. Yeah. That means uh, that's a that's a whole different. Uh, the one I was talking about was the one that went down on the roots and was eating the roots. No, nope, no. Nope. So this is the blossom clipper. Okay, good. I'm glad yeah. you called. I'm going to double check on that. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I'm looking for an organic spray. Um, yeah, well, that Captain Jack's is is a um, it's like a thergicide. It's a uh, okay. you know it's a natural. Or approved for organic gardening. And, okay. So and it should take care of the problem? It should, yes. But with this one, obviously you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to start to spray early in the season. And right. actually that would be fairly soon because, right. you know, uh, have your plants started to grow yet? Well, I just uncovered them last week. Yeah. And so, I started probably a week before that, and then I got mm-hmm. down to something else. So mm-hmm. I went back and uh, finished it up. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm always into organic anything, you know, in my oh, garden. Sure. So, oh, yeah. 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 So, I mean, they, they recommend Malathion, which I'm not yeah. sure is organic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Carbonol, mm-hmm. uh, methyl oxychlor. <laughs> none, of, and, none of it sounds particularly organic, does it? No, py- pyrithrum. Now that sounds. Now, pyrithrum like, is a is a natural that comes from a, a plant. Um, okay. And you you want to be careful because uh, pyrithrum can can affect fish. You know, so if you have a large body of water, you want to make sure that it's not. No, uh, I'm not, not I've got a river, but it's across the road. It's probably mm-hmm. a couple hundred yards away. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the pyrethrum would, would work for sure. Um, so they recommend doing that after the fruits start to form. So Yeah, well, the, how does that make sense, though? I don't know. I if, if it's clipping the, the blossoms, then right. then how would that I – don't, I don't really quite understand how I think I help. think what they're doing, it's the very last sentence. Um, it said that um, the clipper does, you know, what I told you before – yeah. And it uh, kills the bud. Yeah. It falls off. Uh, but they think once it's, once everything starts to grow, yeah. you can dust it with these other two. Mm. Mm. Once, once the berries start to form. Mm. Uh, not in the bud stage, but once they start to, you know, get green and start to turn red, you know, that's when you want to use this other stuff. So. Yeah, that seems like it's too late in the season to, to stop. Well, it probably won't kill the bud, bud weevil, no. 
Mm. Well, uh, let me let me look at that. I, I was okay. uh, I was thinking uh, that I had had misunderstood what you said, and that I was, um, and which I did. And uh, but I'll look up I'll look up the the blossom. Well, it's, it's also known as a small snout beetle, <laughs> you know, because they have this little nose or appendage or something, you know, mm-hmm. and they use that to in, uh, lay their eggs in uh, undeveloped uh, bud. It's just when it starts to form, it starts to grow. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, uh, and what I'm curious about is whether uh, the cloth would work over that, you know, if you put it over your plants. I know a lot of strawberry uh, farmers use those, uh, the the woven cloth, the fiberglass cloth, the remain. Yeah. yeah Agrobro. Yeah, agrobore. And and that would probably stop a lot of it, but the timing is is what I'm not sure about. Would you want that first thing in the spring, or would that be later on? It's kind of like the spotted wing fruit fly. There is that that's mm-hmm. not going to come around until you actually have fruit. So it's not something you want to do right away. Whereas this is because it's affecting the blossoms. You want to make sure you get a, uh, get there sooner right. than later. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to call up and thanks. I appreciate if, uh, that. What you were talking about is the, I didn't think it was quite the same thing that nope, it's you talked not. about last week. Well, as I got look, looking into it, um, there you know, there's these you know on YouTube these pictures of little wigglies coming out of a strawberry and it's like, <laughs> you know, no, but I, I, I recognize that from the research in the blueberries. It's the same, exactly the same one. But yeah. if you don't have it, then it's one less thing you need to worry about. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. It's just, uh, it, you know, it, it gets rid of the, cause you know, as well as I do now, cause I've been doing this for a while, that the first blossom mm-hmm. to open is usually the one that produces the biggest berry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they get progressively smaller. Smaller as you go along, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's the one they're after, is that one there. Seems It seems to always be the way, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I won't keep you. Uh, Thanks, Norm. I appreciate call the call. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank, thank, thank you, Norm. Yes, indeed. Small snout. Beetle. I, well, I, you know, yeah. weevils. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> small snout weevil. That, 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 small snout beetle, he said, right? Or weevil. Beetle. Beetle. Yeah, small. Sm- small snout beetle. Mm-hmm. That could be Paul McCartney. Definitely not go. Ringo Starr. Oh, Ringo no. had, yeah, yeah. Ringo had, quite the, had quite the snout. He yeah. had quite the proboscis. <laughs> and, uh, Lennon and, uh, and Harrison also had a... So the small snout beetle must be Paul. We'll be back right after these words. Believe it or not, these are the sponsors that make all this possible. Meet all of your gardening needs and desires at Dandelion Acres in Bethel. Make a statement with trees and shrubs. Grow your own vegetables and fruits with a selection of veggie starts, fruit trees, and berry bushes. And add color with annual and perennial flowers, including lush flowering hanging baskets. Don't forget the accents, unique statuary, pottery, and garden furniture. Plus, soils, fertilizers, and mulches. Everything you need and lots of things you want in one place. Dandelion Acres in Bethel, online at dandelionacres.com. And once again, here's Peter. <laughs> so uh, the, 
it's like we should be calling this garden talk, sort of like car talk. You know? <laughs> well, I, I guess we. It's a, it, some people think it's comical. Some of the things that we come up with, but uh, yeah, those guys were funny. Somehow, though. Those guys were funny. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so um, I always forgot after listening. To, I mean, of course, it's on that <clears throat> other yeah. station. Uh, it was, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, after listening to him, I said I didn't hear anything about, about repairing cars at all. anything. No, you know, yeah, I, nothing. The alternator's still not working on the Buick, and I haven't heard a thing about cars. But anyway, well, hopefully, you will hear a few things about gardening today. <laughs> oh yeah, why not? What the heck? Well, Just, uh, here's a call. Let's go right to it. Okay. It's either the boss firing me, or it is a caller. Good afternoon. Uh, your first name in town. Oh, this is the Frostaholic from Ripton calling. Hello. I'm calling to take our minds off of insect pests and disease because it's only April. And let's celebrate the fact that I did my first harvest yesterday. Oh, my gosh. What did you? Yeah, it wasn't overwhelming. It wasn't a lot. Leaves weren't big. But, gosh, those greens were beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. They grow. And the little piece of label next to the different greens I harvested, yeah. March 24th, <laughs> March 26th. And here they were, jumping out of the ground. Yeah, isn't that what great? A gift. What yeah, a gift. What a gift. Yeah, there you go. Um, and as far as other gifts, we walked to the beaver pond, as we always do today. And I, I hear some people, they use boards like debris and rubbish on the forest floor. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. So as we were walking through, we came to our dear friend, the Bill Withers ash tree, mm-hmm. which is a ginormous ash tree. And the reason he's called the Bill Withers ash tree is because one of his limbs has been broken for over 25 years. Mm-hmm. But it's not dead. It's mm-hmm. alive. Mm-hmm. And it's leaning on a maple tree. <laughs> and so you can hear that tree singing, lean on me. When you're not strong. Anyway, we got to the Bill Withers tree, and everywhere, all over the ground, were spring beauties Mm. pushing up. And Mm. if people don't know them, come on over. I'll show you what they look like. Yeah. Just beautiful little white flowers with pink and red stripes. So, yeah. Yeah. Have have you noticed the the little yellow flowers on the roadside that are all popping up? The cold foot? Mm Mm-hmm. The cold foot is incredible. Mm-hmm. Just tell everybody it's not dandelion because it's not. No. And from what I learned in college, that is one of the oldest plants on the planet. Oh, is that um, right? Yeah, it goes way, 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 way back um, to dinosaur time. So <laughs> I can't vouch for that because I wasn't here. Then, <laughs> so anyway, well, neither, um, neither was I, but <laughs> I had heard that the uh, Indians used it sort of like a salt for their food. That's, the, that's what they say. And yeah. so, hey, if it's out in the woods, it's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, most of what's out most, in the woods is most good. Of anyway. So anyway, let's accentuate the positive. Okay? All right. All right. And, we, um, we yeah. will, uh, we will, uh, we will forget about the short and the long nosed snouted <laughs> bugs for a while. Well, I was thinking if you guys got really busy and you had nothing to do, you could see how many times you could say that before you tripped down the word. <laughs> short nose weevil, short nose weevil, or weevil uh, or bee boy, whatever the name of the bug is. But I can't anyway. even get Drosophila out without stumbling over it, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
scientific. That's Latin for you. Yep. So anyway, all is growing and good. And so Nola, do you have any uh, fruit trees? Do you? We do. Yeah. And I have not taken care of them the way I ought to. Okay. Well, um, you should spray them. With um, what? With the uh, the miscible or oil, it's called horticultural oil at two percent, and they need to be sprayed uh, now while they're still in that early bud stage. And you want to spray the bark, the leaves, the limbs, the trunk, everything, all the way up and down. Now, the reason I mentioned this is because the the few things that you do between now. You know, when the buds first uh, form and when the the first uh, uh, fruits start to form, the spraying that you do in that beginning part serves for the whole year, more or less. Once the scab or any other kind of problem that you have has formed, there's really no way to, to go back, you know, to, to take care of it. It's something you just have to, to put up with. But if you do a, a routine of spraying between you know now and your your first fruit, it will last the whole season. It will it will affect those fruits the whole season. And what's it called again? This one is called horticultural oil. Okay. My dad used to call it miscible oil, but basically it's an it's an oil that doesn't affect the the tree or the the leaves or anything. That. But it does affect the the body of the little creatures that are living in the bark and the and some people will even suggest uh, taking your take putting gloves on your hand and rubbing them down you know um, oh, so that would that, guarantee uh, well I'm thinking on a day like today you couldn't spray anything because you'd get blown away yeah along yeah. with the spray but no that's yeah. a, so you would massage the tree well uh, the, the idea is to is to get rid of the loose bark so that uh, when, got it okay got it Okay, Nola, thanks for the call. Okay, do you this want a frost great. poem? If you don't, I'll go away. Uh, d- uh, Joe, we're okay with the frost poem? We got a time? Well, let me, uh, let, let, let's ask Nola to call back later because we got Forbes waiting on the line with oh, a gardening oh, question. I'm uh, going to say, have a great day. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll feel, talk to you yeah, later. feel free to call back later. It's a good way to, uh, uh, you know, finish our hour together with a bit of optimism and wonderful poetry from, uh, the, uh, Bard, of course. But right now, here is, well, he's growing blueberries, I know that. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't have those, uh, those uh, big nosed uh, beetles <laughs> anywhere on his property. Here's Forbes. <laughs> hey, Forbes. But it's the day and age of the, um, ticks, that's for sure. Yeah. They're out in full force. Oh, is that right? Uh, I haven't, right. haven't been yeah. out in the woods. I had two questions. Uh, one is uh, a soil uh, sampling. Uh, is that something that people should do before they they plant, no matter what it is? And how do they go about it? And the second one is there's a big move towards organic. Yeah. And what's the difference between organic fertilizers and the commercial or chemical mm-hmm. fertilizers? Okay. Um the the first question soil samples soil samples are real important and um i know i've talked about this before but the 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 fact is that there's really no soil that's perfect for whatever you're growing you know you you do need to make adjustments in the soil and also over time in your garden even if you're putting compost on a regular basis you're still going to lose certain elements 
and just to, for instance, uh, when I did my my uh, uh, soil test, uh, uh, it wasn't last year; it was the year before. Um, I was deficient, uh, highly deficient in sulfur. Well, I grow a lot of cabbage uh, plant and cabbages, and uh, and they use up a fair amount of sulfur. And when you get right down to it, there's there's nothing that really um, that I put on in the compost that has uh, um, you know a lot of sulfur in it. So I I actually went out and bought sulfur. You know, and, and then there's a few other ways you can put sulfur in your soil. And that's just a for instance. And that's something that, that just compost and putting more compost won't really solve. So that's the, the, um, the advantage of doing a soil test. Now the soil test is actually pretty simple. You can do it through the, um, uh, through the University uh, of Vermont or, you know, any number of commercial places. Uh, the one I did was out in Ohio, and they actually had a fella um, who would analyze your uh, your soils uh, and, and give you some hints as to how much of whatever it is you need, and that was a big help. And um, the... Um, there's one fellow who wrote a book about soil samples and and doing soil tests, and he said, you know, the the general organic uh, idea is the Samoa idea is that you just keep putting Samoa compost on your garden, and that'll take care of everything. Well, it just it doesn't work that way. You know, you uh, I might just strike it lucky and have something that has boron in it or or sulfur for that matter in my compost bin, but the likelihood is very low. So that that will help to, you know, um, uh, instruct you on how to how to add things to your soil. Well, there are different now, requirements for different crops. You got it. Yeah, different requirements and also uh, a whole bunch of universal requirements for all of the crops, you know. Uh, generally speaking, the plants want to grow and they will grow, but you know, if you want to have a really robust garden, you, you're better off. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I always recommend putting in the sea kelp because the sea kelp has a whole host of, of uh, micronutrients and, and minerals that, that help. And that's one of the reasons we put on the, the azomite, the rock powders, but, you know, the, none of it had the sulfur in it, and that's why I was so deficient in that. And then to your second, the whole idea about organic is just simply not using chemical fertilizers, and chemical fertilizers are made from uh, from oil, you know, from, from p- petroleum. And the reason it's not so much that the NPK um, – that that you get from a commercial um, non-organic fertilizer is bad. It's just that it's it's not adequate, and what it does is it tends to deplete uh, deplete the soil uh, so that your you know your mycelium and all the other things don't grow as well, and so your the what would you call it, the biome, you know, the earthworms and all the other critters in your soil that fertilize the soil um, aren't as active when you're using chemical fertilizers. And the same thing, of course, is true with uh, 
with for organic gardening is using things that are quote unquote organic for uh, pest and, and fungicide insecticide control and you know things like the BT um, the and the spinosad and uh, pyrethrum and all of those things come from plants and they don't tend to um, affect uh, the rest of you know the surrounding area, like, say, like, well, the obvious one is DDT, but then, you know, now we have, uh, you remember, was it three or four years ago, the uh, the compost that was toxic, that that was as a result of a chemical that was put on the, the straw that the horses were bedded on. And yeah, that wiped out my garden that yeah, year. Yeah. Said, yeah. So that that is, you know, even though it crept in, it wasn't used like a fertilizer or even a, a, for an insecticide or a fungicide. It came, it was used for the straw that the horses were bedded on. You know, so that's why, you know, the whole, the whole idea is to try to stay away from those types of chemicals, um, in, in your farming altogether. And uh, if you're interested, there's a book, uh, 40 Centuries of Farmers, and it, it's an old, old book, and it was one of the first books uh, by the Rodale Press that that really pointed out that in China they had they were they were farming the same land over over centuries, you know, not just years, and um, it had sort of become uh, uh, expected that. You know, the land you farmed would sort of, um, you know, would uh, gradually become, you know, not very good. And so they were pointing out that that the the Chinese were using organic methods, in a sense, uh, over centuries. And the soil never got depleted the way, you know, the way we were doing it. Um, what else, Forbes? Well, it pretty well covers it. It's going to give you or anybody a good start anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the organic fertilizers, and we really are blessed because when I, 40 years ago or more than that now, uh, when you wanted to do organic farming or gardening, there was nothing, you know, so well made and blended like this in the northern organics, the pro mix and and now those are available everywhere, you know, both at the, you know, Agway and Blue Seal and, you know, it, it and these are a mixture of things, you know, that are, um, you know, from nature naturally occurring, like compost. But, um, you know, I, shoot, I was just reading a bag of that uh, ProMix and there's... You know, different sources of nitrogens, different sources of potassium, and different sources of, of potash, and, and uh, they're all well blended into sort of a, um, into a, you know, a general purpose. And then you can also get the red bag from from Northern Organics, which is the high in nitrogen uh, for for certain types of crops that want high nitrogen, to say like heavy feeders like corn or. Um, even uh, I sp- buy all of my uh, products from Northern. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah, you got all a bag, Hey, You want to read us the... <laughs> oh, 
I'm going to go home and, and write down the write down what that's it's in a bag of of um, pro mix. I'm just out of curiosity. I've read it I don't know how many times, but <laughs> anyway, that's kind of a organic primer. But the the fact is is that you can have just as if not more productive uh, gardening uh, by not using those chemicals. And you know there might be a time when you know, you, you, there's a need for them, but, um, generally speaking, almost anything that you, you would use a chemical fertilizer or even a, a chemical uh, insecticide, you can, you can find a substitute that's a natural. So. Yeah, I, I notice, uh, uh like in my blueberries, uh, mm-hmm. people come from, you know, as far as 20 miles away, basically mm-hmm. looking for, uh, organically Organ- grown mm-hmm. blueberries, mm-hmm. and they, one of their biggest concerns are children. Yeah, and the yeah. Uh, you know the uptake of chemicals into a, a small body versus a big body uh, yep. makes quite a significant it, difference. It does. Yeah. Have you have any oh. pro- problems with that fruit fly? That pardon? Uh, have you had any problems with that fruit fly? The no, Just for no, fun. no, good. I, I, I good. use uh, um, Tanglefoot on uh, various cards, uh-huh. things like that, and traps. Uh, you can make your own traps, but they're, uh, you know, a, a, a scented uh, vinegar and various other things uh, yeah. will attract them. And uh-huh. they'll go to that first, and that seems to keep a balance. Huh. So you hang them oh, in in the in the the bushes amongst the bushes. Right. Yeah. Mm. You, know, you can hang them, but you can make uh, make your traps uh, out of anything and hang them. You know, any old uh, mm-hmm. plastic jugs or anything else that you can <laughs> uh, burn a hole into. Yeah. For entrance point, so small that nothing else can get in there. A honeybee can't get in or anything else. Oh, really? And then you put uh, like a vinegar on the inside, those, and that that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. And uh, you just take something hot. Yeah, and uh, poke a hole in it, but the right size, so that only that that uh, fruit fly will go in, and, and the honeybee won't go after it. I'll be darned! I never thought of it, but what a good idea! Yeah. Yep. So just okay. with traps, well, thank okay, you. Forbes. Yeah. All yeah. right. Bye now. Bye. And Peter, we're happy to have on the line. Uh, we got Brian in Island Pond. Hey, Brian. How are you today? That's good. What's going on in Island Pond? Uh, I bought a, I think it was called a Nankin cherry bush. Uh-huh. Yeah, about six years old and now, and it's, it's never produced any cherries. Some, I think last year, the year before, for a few small ones, they just get started and they all fall off. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. most years they didn't put anything on, but. The foliage is growing real good. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, uh, it it may belong to the cherry family, but it may not be a, our actual fruiting um, the way you and I think of cherries. It may have a small fruit that's really more for for birds than it is for people to eat. Um, and 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 uh, so it's a. Right 
Yeah, it's really meant to be a, a decorative plant, you know, a landscape plant. So, so you probably won't ever get real cherries off of it. Or if you do, it'll be, they'll be so tiny and probably fairly sour. So I, if you want a cherry tree, uh, cherries will grow up here and, but you have to get the, the varieties that are, um, you know, and you can, that are, that are four zone, that, that will grow in zone four. And, uh, you can even get, uh, some, um, um, you know, some fairly small ones that grow. They're not necessarily, you know, full size trees. They're dwarf trees. But, uh, it sounds like what you have is, is, um, is just for landscape. It's for, maybe for birds, uh, you know, for bird habitat and that type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Yep. Yep. Try again. Keep trying. You'll find something that actually produces some fruit for you. Alrighty. Okay. Uh, Joel? Uh, I guess, uh, we are clear on the line, so. Yeah. We can get back to gardening tips. <laughs> but the lines are open, 244-1777. So, bef- before I forget, I just want to emphasize that now is the time, not only for that first spring of your, of all your fruit plants, you know, the apples, the pears, all of those, um, uh, cherries, for that matter, or plums, um, you want to do that first spray as a horticultural oil, but also it's time to prune them. And, um, you know, there's a, a couple of different varieties of, for pruning. Usually the central leader is probably the, the most common where, where you have, you know, one main stem coming up and then you've got branches coming off, you know, say about a foot apart. Um, and, and that, that makes for a good strong, uh, tree. Um, if you let it just go, what happens a lot of times is the angle is not good. And so when it gets loaded up, uh, with fruit, it'll actually, it'll actually fall over, uh, or break a branch. So you want to uh, get in there and prune those out. Uh, you want to pull your blueberries now if you haven't done it before. What you want to take out is your older canes. A cane uh, will start to uh, fruit after about four years, and then after about eight years, it's going to start to really slow down. So, get in there and chop out the older ones, and and let's and that will also uh, encourage new growth. So that in four years' time, you've got another batch of new canes that are they're going to start to fruit. Um, also, uh, uh, your, uh, your cane fruits, you know, your raspberries and blackberries and those, um, you need to make sure you get in there and take out the old canes to start with. Raspberries, you, you don't need to cut down if, if they, um, if they're only three foot tall, uh, taller than that, you want to give them a trim, but blackberries do need to be trimmed back, otherwise, you know, they'll, They'll grow up so far and then just fall over. And, uh, so that, that kind of makes it a, a briar patch rather than a, a fruit, <laughs> a fruiting patch. Peter, I've noticed, uh, especially after looking at several YouTube videos that were, yeah. you know, 
put on by true garden and horticulture experts. Yeah. That uh, when they prune, yeah, it uh, it's well, you know, you go to the your your barber and you might get a trim or yeah. you might get a haircut. Yeah. When they prune, it's more like a haircut. The ten- yeah. the tendency is just to do a little. At yeah. least you know my my human nature, especially yeah. when I had my yeah. my, my crab apple tree. I didn't want to cut all that, but boy, yeah. they yeah. really go to town. Really and apparently, to town. A, yeah. a good pruning job yeah. really means you know biting the bullet and taking yeah. a lot off. I, I, it just seems to go against my natural instinct. Well, it's just like too when when you get the the first fruit, right? Mm-hmm. The by nature the tree will drop. There's mm-hmm. the June drop where it drops some of the fruit. Um, but you need to even go another step further. Yeah. Uh, my wife was always gets out and she, she takes all but one, you know, fruit out of each bunch. And, uh, that, that actually will, will stand you in good stead. You know, it does, you get a better harvest. Mm-hmm. So I think that's sort of like what you're talking about yeah. is, is not a snip snip, but a, yes. buzz, but a buzz cut. Right. There you go. <laughs> So, uh, this is the time. This is the time to get out there and do that. Also, you can feed them, mulch them, uh, and don't forget if, if we don't get any rain, uh, over a week's time, go ahead and water them. It, we don't think about it sometimes, but watering the, the rhubarb and watering the asparagus and watering the fruit trees and watering the blueberries, all of them need water just like, just like any other garden plant. But we kind of tend to think, well, you know, nature will take care of that. Um, you know, they need an inch of rain just like any other garden soil. Well, they will grow and produce without it, but they will, they will do better with the, with that. Um, and then speaking of blueberries, you want to make sure you, you give them a cup of fertilizer on each plant. And what I use is the hollytone, you know, uh, uh, that has uh, the acidifier in it so that, um, and I had a problem with that last year. When was the year before? Uh, my, my, uh, the green leaves of the plants were turning yellow and, and that was because there wasn't enough acid in the soil. Do we have a call? We certainly do. We have John in Waterbury Center. John, welcome. What's going Good on in the afternoon. garden? Yeah. Well, I have a pruning question of another type. Yeah. Is it too, is it too late to prune, uh, your lilacs? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Um, that need, the lilacs need to be pruned uh, after they blossom. Okay. Uh, uh, so right now, if you were going to re- prune your lilacs, you'd be cutting off the, f- the flowers. Yep. Okay. okay. I, <laughs> I thought it was probably the case, but I wanted yeah. to be now, sure. Now, why, why are you thinking about pruning them? What, what's going on? Well, things are getting very leggy. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you can, so. you can do just like I was talking with the, with the, the blueberries. You can take some of your canes out and it yeah. will invigorate the, and especially uh, with the lilac, it'll, it'll puts up a, quite a bit of stuff from the ground, from the roots. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you want to, you want to try to keep those uh, pruned out so that the, you know, the strength and all of the energy goes to the bush that, you, you know, your central bush. Well, this brings up another question. Now, some of the stuff that in the past mm-hmm. has been pruned, where I start to get new growth, mm-hmm. I'm not seeing blossoms forming in, uh, you know, the florets, uh, mm-hmm. where, where in the past, you know, you'd get some nice flowers. 
Yeah. Um, have to check. I don't remember if, if it grows. I assume it doesn't grow on, I know it doesn't grow on this year's. It grows on last year's. So you would, you wouldn't see anything from new growth this year. You would only see it on new growth next year. So okay, I just have to be patient. <laughs> what else you got okay. to do? Yeah, you might as well be patient. What the heck? <laughs> right, I'll be like a doctor and have patience. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, guys. All right, take care, John. Take Thanks care. for the Bye. call. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, have patience, boys. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> um. So uh, let's see. We were talking about, um, oh, you know, if, uh, let's see, asparagus. Oh, just a reminder is that uh, when you start pruning your, your asparagus, right, if you want to leave some of them un, uncut and let them grow up so that, um, so in the middle of the season in July, you can cut them back and they'll, they'll give you a mid-season harvest. And uh, just, because we should be seeing the, the asparagus come up in a few weeks. Okay. Joel, do you have a... We do have a phone. No? Actually, we do. We have Linda online, but she just passed a message on to me. Oh. Um, when Forbes was talking about the uh, traps yep. for the uh, for, for those flies, yeah. that she would like to, uh, she got distracted for a bit. And uh, if you could go over the uh, notes that you took with uh, regard sure. to what Forbes said. Yep. Yeah, Linda. It's uh, there's two different styles that he was talking about. One is is the more common one where you use something you use. You get a, um, it's a yellow card and, uh, you can actually use, um, from the, uh, Japanese beetle traps. There's like a plastic fin. You can hang those and you put something goopy on them, like a, a Vaseline or a tangle foot or, you know, uh, all it has to do is, you know, be sticky enough that if they land on it, they're attracted to the yellow. When they land on it, they, they get stuck. And those, those work for traps. Those are generally, uh, used to, uh, you know, put the time, set the time for your spraying, but they also work as traps. Um, they don't collect enough of the fruit flies to really be effective, uh, for preventative. But the second thing that he mentioned, which I thought was, was, uh, interesting, I hadn't heard of before. He, he was saying he uses a, a, a plastic jug, you know, a half gallon or gallon jug and puts very small holes in it and then puts a vinegar like you would inside the house. If you have fruit flies inside your house, you put a little vinegar, a little bowl of vinegar and the fruit flies come to it. They're attracted to that, uh, that scent. And uh, so anyway, he puts the vinegar in there, and because the holes are small, only the fruit flies can get in, and then they're trapped in there. Uh, and that was the, the second one. Um, yeah, that, that's that's the two of them right there. One is uh, a vinegar um, uh, scent, you know, the, the attractant. Um, and then the other one is a actual physical trap that um, you put the yellow card up. They're attracted to the yellow color, and then they get stuck in the in the goop. Whether it's like I said, a, a vaseline or a tangle foot or something that's sticky. Um, 
Yeah, that was it, wasn't it, Paul? I, th- I think that was all. That yeah, that covers it very nicely. Yeah, Great. Okay. Yeah. So um, uh, Linda's not on the phone, so I can't ask her if she has blueberries or if she's having that problem. Well, she'll call back from Brookfield uh, on our next program. I bet. Let us know what's <laughs> all right. going on. All right, Linda. <laughs> Thanks for the call. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so we, I. I it's so hard to believe. Oh, you know, one last thing, though, is I wanted to thank Lawrence for his tip on the the leaf mold. I've been thinking to do that for, oh, gosh, a long time. And finally, uh, his uh, his description of it just sounded so great that I went out and bought a couple of those round things. And I've been gradually filling them up with leaves just to, you know, and, and even some comfrey leaves and whatever that's kind of dried out and and I'm raking up. So... I, I want to thank Lawrence for for mentioning that. You see, it works both ways here. I learn uh-huh. things, you and I learn things, and and uh, sometimes we actually solve a problem. And you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah, and one thing I want to learn is where's our list of sponsors that I lost. Oh, your list of sponsors. Somewhere over here. Hang on for a second. Okay. Okay, I think looks like you got a call too, buddy. Do we have a call? Oh, okay. We'll take one final call. One final call. Okay. At the peril of being called into the office, it's like the principal's office. Head over again, Joel. But we started a bit late. Okay, uh, your first uh, your first name in town, please. I'm Dean Ganya. I live in Island Pond. Hey, Dean. I'm wondering if it's good to put your wood ashes on your garden. Um, generally, it's it's fine. You, you don't want to overdo it. You want it as a you know uh, about a teaspoon, a tablespoon per square foot, or a, um, I have four by four beds, and that's one okay. that's one cup. Um, like any fertilizer, you know, in moderation is important. That, that you know that it that it suits the um, the circumstances. But yeah. Uh, Wood ashes are, are, are a great matter of fact. Some people really like the fact that your wood ashes have charcoal in it because yeah. does it matter if what kind of wood it is? Uh, other than pine, pine tends to be real acidic. But oh, okay. who, who, who burns pine? Dean Garner does. Well, Dean. That's <laughs> the big pine that we cut, and they say the limbs burn real well. Oh, sure. I, it's a great, I mean, that's the beauty yeah. of wood. It doesn't matter what kind. I've even burned popple, quite frankly. You yeah. Know. yeah. Uh, but it stinks to high heaven, and yeah. it's not well, a very long well, last. Yeah, it don't really matter. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, thank you. All right. So anyway, if you're using if you're using the pine ashes, you want to do a check on your the acidity of your soil to make sure that you're not making it more acidic or too acidic. Well, I tell you, if they if they the editorial comment here, mm-hmm. um, if they pass that unaffordable heat act, yeah. I'll be burning probably pine in an old rain barrel in my <laughs> in my living room yeah. to keep warm. But that's a whole other story. I know. We, we just put in a whole new boiler, and of course it's it goes on propane. But, yep. Yeah, and I'm. But, I'm know, burning kerosene. You know, so, yeah, yeah. So like, well, the, you know, I mean, the problem is, is, is uh, you know, it's like for a pellet stove that's a boiler, it's yeah. like $50,000. Yeah. It's, it's really expensive. I know, I know. Yeah. Well, 
considering I have an outdoor tank that burns kerosene, I think the progressives <laughs> want to banish me to Elba or whatever they do to people like me. <laughs> at any rate, uh, we'll allow some final words and, uh, and of course, next week at 1230 again in the hey, garden. Yeah, final words are uh, next week I'm going to talk about container gardening. I'm oh, really wonderful. excited about it. And, and I have uh, Ed's book on containers. And I have I've got the, yep. the other Smith's book. Uh, uh, on containers, the fellow from uh, from the uh, United Kingdom, uh, and uh, a really interesting thing, uh, you know, about different varieties. They're making varieties that work better in in pots, and uh, yeah. So I'm really excited about that. So if you're thinking about it, make sure you listen in uh, next week and bring your questions. If you have questions about what pots to use and what can can plant and all that other good stuff. Okay, well, we will see you next week in the garden. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below Till the rain comes tumbling down Pulling weeds and picking stones Man is made of dreams and bones Feels the need to grow my own Cause the time is close at hand Rain for grain, sun and rain Find my way in nature's chain Tune my body and my brain To the music of the man's I tell you, it's uh, long after he's gone that I really, really appreciate how great John Denver was and, uh, of course, still is and always will be. And David Mallett, thank you for that absolutely wonderful song. Our program, In the Garden Today, brought to you by the Willie Store, family-owned since 1900 in Greensboro, by Poly Construction, Gregory Drive, South Burlington, where one call does it all. By Montpelier Agway, your locally-owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By these, Flower and Garden Shop. Flowers, hanging baskets, annuals, houseplants, potting supplies, and more. They're up in Waitsfield. By Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Top quality Vermont-grown plants serving the community since 1972. Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Go to sticksandstuff.com for all their store locations and their hours of operation. By PR Lumber, Route 15 in Walcott. Yes, they are open for business. And, uh, of course, great family milled lumber for all your projects. Check out PR Lumber on Facebook. By Guy's Farm and Yard, if it eats and grows, guys can feed it. They're online at guysfarmandyard.com and Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel. Dandelionacres.com. And, of course, they're the great folks that um, sponsor the In the Garden podcast.